listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in the name of the triune God. So uh, cooking is by far one of my favorite things to do in life. Um, I can't say I'm like the perfect cook. I'm not that amazing. But when I cook, it often feels like much more than a hobby. It feels sometimes like a spiritual practice. In many of the meals I make, I feel connected to the thousands of relationships I've been in throughout my life. My family and childhood in the South... The years I lived in Italy, time spent in Panama and Israel, that former lover who broke my heart but taught me to put curry in my collard greens. (laughs) You know, complicated and sometimes difficult relationships, they returned to me, but now transformed into something delicious and beautiful. Food as forgiveness and grace. It's the same principle that underlies the sacred meal that we share each week. In the Eucharist, every feeling, every experience, and every thought that has ever been comes back to us as God, but in a moment of absolute and complete grace. So when I cook, it means a lot to me. It's sacred, but that sacredness sometimes starts to break down especially when I get the feeling that someone doesn't appreciate all that went into the food. (laughs) I get stingy and find that I share it with others far less than I could enjoy sharing it. A couple of years ago, we were having a potluck at work, and I promised to make a pie. A pie is like my favorite thing to make in the whole world. But I I didn't really have time to make one, but I, I decided to make one. And initially, it was totally, honestly, like this labor of love, or the idea of it was a labor of love that I wanted to share with my coworkers. It took a while, I think I cooked till like midnight, but finally it came out of the oven and, and I swear it was like the perfect pie. <laughs> Definitely one of the best pies I've ever made. But just as fast as I realized how perfect it was, did my spiritual, loving, warm heart turn to a heart of stone. I began to have all these terrible thoughts about my coworkers. (laughs) I thought, there's no way they can appreciate how perfect this pie is. (laughs) I mean, they don't even appreciate the work I do at the office. (laughs) And besides, they're probably going to bring cheap donuts from Safeway. So there's no way that they're getting my pie. Uh, Yeah. In a twinkling of an eye, my capacity to love was overtaken by my feelings that others are unworthy of that love. Looking back on it, it's humorous, but it also speaks to the tragic ways that I and all of us, that we've been conditioned to believe that love is scarce, and therefore we must carefully portion it out so that we don't waste it on the unworthy. That if we show love to someone who can't love us back in the same way that we lose in the game of love. This worthiness system falls into every aspect of our lives. Like throughout history, 
decisions about who is worthy have denied people freedom, voting rights, job, housing, the right to marry, the sacraments, and so many other benefits and privileges. And the thought process behind many of these injustices has been the same as mine with the pie. Are they able to appreciate it? Are they prepared to enjoy what we give them? Are they truly worthy? And underlying the questions of worthiness is a deeper question. Am I going to have to change in the giving of this thing? Am I going to have to change my fundamental beliefs and thoughts and feelings? But in today's gospel, we are once again reminded that God's ways are not our ways. That God revealed in Jesus does not relate to her creation based on a worthiness system. Today's gospel, the wedding at Cana, is a familiar story to most. If nothing else, we have heard that Jesus turned water into wine. So when we hear this story, I think that that magician part, that Jesus is a magician part, that's the part we pay pay attention to. But if we pay attention to the rest, we'll notice that the transformation of water into wine isn't really what stands out to the people in the story. Like when the wedding caterers, those servants, see Jesus' work, his magic, when they see him uh, make this miracle, they don't pass out or jump up and down or start, you know, queening out about that miracle. That's what I would have done. (laughs) No, it's like the steward's reaction that the rest of the story focuses on. The steward, you know, he's like the wedding planner, is, is shocked because... He believes that the groom has secretly stashed away the top-shelf liquor for the end of the party. He says, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you served the good stuff first. Now, I used to think that was a compliment, but only recently did it hit me that this wedding planner is, like, totally throwing some shade. (laughs) What he's, in fact, saying is, Why would you serve the fancy stuff after everyone is already drunk? Now they're too drunk to even appreciate the good stuff. You know, stick with that two-buck chuck after they're drunk. (laughs) It's just like when I withheld the pie thinking no one could possibly appreciate it. The wedding planner doesn't think the guests are worthy of the groom's, you know, I don't know, Dom Perignon or something. But God isn't like me or the wedding planner. God is like Jesus, who always gives the best, not because we are worthy. No, through Jesus, God gives us the best in the midst of our unworthiness. Because after all, the wedding planner is correct. The guests had to have been totally hammered after polishing off every drop of wine that they had. He's right, like their palates burned by cheap wine, were totally unworthy recipients of fine wine. Yet God gives us the best anyway. God feeds us and satisfies our thirst even when we can't taste the wine or when we don't really know what good pie is. God doesn't doesn't wait for us to become worthy because we never will be. We're all unworthy, but we are all unforgiven in that unworthiness. But unfortunately, the church has a 
pretty terrible track record of basing its beliefs and practices on the idea that God is much more like the wedding planner in this story than like Jesus. You know, we cover our walls with his image and his name and our words, but we still find it hard to get behind the clear signs of what God is really like. Throughout our scriptures and the faith passed down to us, we have a storehouse full of perfect pies and perfect wine, but based on much of the church's words and behaviors, you'd not be wrong to suspect that all we have in store is wine that will burn you and pies that will leave a bad taste in your mouth. You know, it can be kind of depressing sometimes to reflect on how often we twist the good news of Christ into terrible news but I always find hope in realizing that we are not God, that the church and God are not one and the same. Just like the rest of the world, the church is also in always, is always also in desperate need of the gospel. You know, though we're never going to get it totally right here either, <clears throat> our desperation for the gospel is why we have an open table here at House. All are welcome to the table without exception because it's God's table and not our own. We're all unworthy. Yet God is drawing all of us in. Therefore, in this place, we hope to give each other a glimpse of what God is like because here we believe it is the grace of God that allows us to change and walk away from a life based on worthiness. You know, this changing and walking away from worthiness is what we call repentance. And repentance is hard. That's why we come back week after week, because it happens bit by bit. It's why we have to keep coming back to the table. We have to continue hearing the good news that God loves us in our unworthiness. Repentance takes time. It takes a lifetime. But it's also a joy. Recently, Aram Haratouni and a housemate here posted on Facebook the words of Padre Gotwoma, a theologian who's a friend of Nadia's, and he was talking about repentance, the Greek word metanoia, and he said, to change your thoughts, to change your mind, this is what metanoia is, to turn in a new direction, to reverse. So he says, technically then, this should mean that the Christian faith is a faith adapted to change a faith that is not undone by realizing that its precepts or propositions are incorrect. It should mean that the joy of repentance is evidenced over and over by those who practice the Christian faith. It should mean that Christianity would be known as the faith that regular, regularly announces that it has been wrong and, it, and, it, and that it is neither frightened nor undone by discovering error or misdirection. May it be so, may it be so, amen.